2 billion and counting. I believe I'm the most watched multilingual face online. Well, today we have Gabriella Wincy White. So I have here on your card, Gabrielle, mm -hmm. and thank you, first of all, for being here this morning. Thank you for having me. Oh, when I looked at your card, I see that you speak English, French, German, Dutch, Flemish. Mm -hmm. You are an author, you're an editor, <laughs> you're an international journalist, mm -hmm. a broadcaster, PR manager. Yes. And a PR ma yeah, PR manager. Yes, I have Manager, been, yes. and you're a speech coach. You do languages, linguistics. Oh, what is it that you don't do? <laughs> that is fantastic. Skydiving. <laughs> That's really wonderful. Now, you've told me just before we started the podcast that you're the only child. I am, yes. In your family. Yes. Where were you born? I was born in County Durham in northeast England um, okay. to a Dutch mother and a British father. Right. And you did mention that you're father's not here now he's not That's with us right. any yes, longer. Yes he passed away recently so oh. but he's he's very much with me I I'm, have every faith in that yeah. I'm sorry to we hear were that. super close yeah. Yes yeah. I can imagine. And similar as well. Is that right? Mm -hmm. your, mom together, your mom and dad stayed together the whole oh, time? Oh yes yes very loyal relationship yes. How's your mother doing now? She's she's a, a tough cookie my mother she really is she has that, that Dutch feist I think yes. Mm. Yes, that's, that's why that is it's her side of the family where you get your height. Do you know a lot of people ask me that actually I think it's the British side. Yes, my dad was very tall, my uncle is also very tall, my mum's a lot shorter than I am, mm -hmm. but my Dutch cousins tower over me. I've seen so many people from Holland that are just my son and I went there. Right. It was I think just before COVID, we mm -hmm. went there on a trip. And I remember walking there in for the first time in decades, feeling like an itty bitty person. <laughs> but you're, you're very tall as well, aren't you? I'm, I'm just six feet. But I mean, yeah. it seemed like the women all there were six and above. Yes. And the guys were towering over them. <laughs> yes. And I'm talking about in a perfect proportion. Yeah. It's not like as if they looked like they were their torso was higher, longer than their legs or whatever. They look they had a good proportion. Uh huh. Yes. It's interesting. So you believe you got most of yours from your English side? Yeah, probably a bit of both, to be honest with you. Okay. But, but yes, yeah. yeah. So as a little girl, were you more academic or were you more physical? Oh gosh, I was always academic. I, I studied a lot. I was very conscientious about my studies. Um, I would say a born perfectionist, which is something I've learned to tone down over the years. I think to my benefit because I was I was too much of a perfectionist growing up for sure. Do your parents read to you a lot when you were young? I was always um, I was very very blessed. I had an abundance of books. They always showered me with with books as gifts, and we we really have a very large library back in the UK, and I've kind of continued to build that in Tokyo kind of naturally. What type yeah. of books did you gravitate towards most? Well, these days, more spiritual reading, always self-development books. Well, no, when you were a kid, you didn't doing self-development books when you were a little kid. What was I reading? Just the, 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 right. the standard stuff, you know, like Alice in Wonderland. It was always the adventurer kind of books, mm -hmm. and that was always very much a part of me. So you saw yourself as Alice in Wonderland? At well, <laughs> not necessarily. Maybe now, actually. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what were some of your favorite? What were some of your favorite literature that you like um, as a kid? Yeah, a lot of Lewis Carroll, I have to say, a okay. lot of Lewis Carroll. A lot of Dutch books as well. Um, so you started reading, wait, wait, so 
Give me a little bit about your growing up. Did your yeah. parents speak to you in only one language? No, actually, um, it was fantastic. I, I was uh, brought up bilingually, which at the time I, I thought was kind of weird and awkward, kind of going to school. My mum would walk me to school and she would always speak to me in Dutch and she would insist that until we got to the school gates we would be speaking Dutch. But growing up in a small village, people would overhear conversations, so I was always a little bit different, a bit of a mystery to people. So right. it was very interesting, you and know, rural England. So Mother and father, would they speak? Um, mainly English, but my dad was a fantastic linguist, so he actually loved throwing himself into Dutch. Um, my parents um, met in the Netherlands. My dad was doing business over there, and they met by pure coincidence. My mum was not in this place very often, but she happened to be there, and it was just magic. It's a very magical love story between them. Yeah. Mm. Uh, my mum speaks a little bit of German. I mean, it being quite similar to Dutch and grammatically anyway. Um, my my dad was fluent in French, and we would. He also started speaking to me in in French as well, and then kind of French exchange visits. We have some really good friends in France, so we started travelling to to France too. Okay. What was your father's job? My dad had many jobs. He had a lot of jobs, um, from being a, a teacher, a carpenter. He created a lot of the furniture in our home, beautifully created. I couldn't believe it when he told me he'd, he'd made this furniture. They still, as I was do you, do up. they still live in the? Do they still live in the same? Yeah, home? it's always been the same home. Okay. Actually, yes, our beautiful family home. Um, and um, what else? He he. His main job actually was a composer. He was a songwriter. Yes, and he, in his lifetime, I'm very proud to say he wrote about 2,000 songs. He's published in America, and um, yeah, he had more success in America than he did in the UK on the country scene. But ironically, he'd never travelled to America, so that's something that I hope to to, to bring forward for him. He have you been? I have. I, I, I okay. lived in America uh, briefly, okay. actually, in, in okay. Florida. But um, yes, I've traveled in, in various parts of America. Yeah, mm. both sides of the coast, at least. Your mother, what did she do? Um, well, she was basically very traditional, actually, a housewife um, in, in my lifetime, actually. Um, and she's, she's also a creative in, in her own way. Um, they're both very, very creative, both left-handed. I think that I'm right-handed, but it's kind of interesting, isn't it? It is. Mm -hmm. But I hear um, that most creatives are left-handed. Yes, yes. They are. My mum, prior to um, getting married and um, me coming along two years later, um, she worked in operations at KLM Airport. Okay. So that was her job. She was ground staff. Yeah. yeah. So your father wrote music. Did he play any instruments? Yes. He was a guitarist. Yeah, singer-songwriter. Acoustic? Yes, yes. So I was surrounded by music, which has influenced me um, majorly, yeah, yeah. Did you ever want to have siblings? It's something that people often ask me, but I never knew any anything different. So I, I, I just had my life, you know. Well, your parents were very <coughs> close with you. I, as, I, yes, they yeah. spent a lot of time with you, so mm. you didn't have any time to want to have someone else with you. It is. I, I think it can get lonely being an only child. La Did it? Well, later in life you kind of realize that, that people, most people have siblings. 
most people, I don't know what the statistics on that mm -hmm, are, mm -hmm. but that's an, it's an interesting dynamic. I think there are definitely advantages and disadvantages, but then when a parent passes away, I think that's when it, it really hits you as an only child. There isn't a sibling to share that with. That's and that, that is one thing that I do wish I had sibling support in that regard. What about cousins? Yes, I have, I have cousins around the world, um, mainly in um, Holland, Belgium and the UK. Okay, so your father's side, not so many? Uh, a few a few cousins, yeah. We're certainly on very different paths because they're very kind of more local people, with right. kind of their own businesses and things like that. Are well, they same age range? No, I'm the youngest on both sides of my family. Okay. Um, quite a bit younger, actually. So I'm kind of an anomaly in our family, mm -hmm. actually, come mm -hmm. to think of it. So I guess with some of your cousins, you may be the age of some of their kids. Like, not far off. Not, not far, far off. off. Yeah, about 10 oh, years so difference. I'm kind of in between, yes. Oh, that's interesting. So mm -hmm. did you have, did you take many trips to Holland when you were young? Yeah, I spent all of my childhood summers in Holland. I was I was actually um, rarely in the UK for a summer until I was about 15 or 16 and, you know, it was kind of branching off and doing my own thing and then university, etc. So do you spend, a lot, you spend a lot of time with your grandparents? I did, my, my Dutch grandparents, and even recently I've been really reflecting on, on them, you know, all of my grandparents have now passed. I, see. Yeah. I, lost, I lost my grandmothers in 2016 within months, which was, which was odd. Mm -hmm. but, um, but yeah, like beautiful, beautiful f figures in my life, yeah. That is so interesting. So what were you like at school? How do you picture yourself in your elementary school days, mm -hmm. middle school? You said you really loved academics yes. as a child, so mm -hmm. you weren't very sports-minded, but you still had to participate in some sports. Oh yes, so tennis, some sports I love tennis, Okay. and it's um, it's kind of connected, but not intentionally. I was actually named after Gabriela Sabatini, the Argentinian tennis player in the 80s, okay, yes. and she was at her, the height of her career then. And then well, your parents were really into tennis then. Yeah, and they would watch it. I, I'm a summer child, so I was born on the 1st of July, okay. and um, they happened to be watching Wimbledon. Um, apparently, they almost called me Samantha. I know this story well. They've told me many times, but they, they settled on Gabriella. They really liked it. Yes. yes, and then Wincy comes from Wincy Willis, my middle name, which is um, after Wincy Willis, the weather presenter. A famous weather presenter in the UK, at least. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> so you're blanking. There. Yes. No. Of course, I wouldn't know her. No. <laughs> yes. She's in the UK. Yeah, in the 80s, and um, and it's kind of interesting to be honest because I've I went on to do presenting work later in my life, and uh, you know sometimes these names they have a kind of mantra to them, they have a power to them. I I feel. You started to find your passion was mm -hmm. reading, academics. Yeah. So what did you do when you got into high school? What were you really focused on? Well, at that point, early high school, um, secondary school as we call it in the UK, yes. um, I was uh, one thing I was going to mention as well, also connected to that to that time. Somewhere around about ten, eleven, I was. Um, it's kind of from the cassette generation. You were what? From the cassette generation, recording-wise. Okay. I used to love interviewing people and. Like early secondary school, I was—I literally always had my my parents, my dad being a musician as well, always had a cassette player nearby, and he would like strum out a tune and compose something just off the bat. He was writing songs daily, hence why he has such a catalogue of songs. Um, but anyway, there was always a cassette player nearby. My mum would sometimes have a cassette player in Holland to record kind of memories and just kind of my development. There was always that kind of. 
um, you know, like the, the highlights, recording the highlights kind of thing. So I was very kind of, it was part of my furniture, if you will, having a cassette player. And I used to start doing just naturally, I don't know where this came from, I started doing interviews and I used to get my friends involved. Okay, let's play the role, like, I'm the interviewer, you're the celebrity. And I would do this. I also used to do teaching, like I wanted my, my parents, I wanted to show my parents that I was an academic. So I would be like, okay, I'm going to create a classroom. And this was from a very young age. And I remember... Would you say like eight, nine? Yeah, that? like, yes. Like really? even a little younger, like six, seven. And <laughs> my, I remember writing this in a diary, like a, we used to do a Monday diary in, in primary school. And I used to write this in a diary, like, what did you do over the weekend? Well, I played teachers. And my primary school teacher was like, what do you mean? Like, and she actually brought my parents in. I, I think she was a little bit, like, confused, and she actually really wanted to know well, she thought, what that she meant. Thought you were she thought you were that something was a little wrong. So it wasn't, it wasn't <laughs> right, a good thing. Exactly. She thought, okie so dokie, we say a little confused. She thought, okay, this one's <laughs> one flew over something, here, right? yes. So, okay. yeah, and my parents were like, yeah, like, she, she wants to be a teacher. Uh, I, I think that's what it is. And uh, they're like, well, this is, this is brilliant. So they then obviously nurtured that. But they said it was highly unusual, which it kind, of is, it kind of is weird. But what's so beautiful about my parents, my, my dad especially, is he, he just played along. He was an academic and he would be writing the essays and he would be like, will you mark this? It's beautiful, isn't it? Isn't I, st I still have so much work that he did, homework and things. And we did, we did all kinds of things. Galileo, I was into all of the world history and I, I really wanted to create. He made it fun for you. He did. And then my dad used to create quizzes. He used to do like a 20 question quiz. And then, you know, so I was, I was very blessed. I was surrounded by um, stimuli of all this academic stuff. Yeah. So it gave you a, an innate curiosity all of us have. Yeah. But he fed it. He really nurtured it. Did he, ever, did he ever teach other people? Yeah, he was a born teacher for sure. And my dad actually, he used to work in an approved school and he used to work with kind of very serious delinquent cases, you know, like we're talking serious cases here. And he, he really nurtured those boys. And I, I think one of the, the, this was before I was born, I think it would have been the 70s. Um, and uh, he, he used to tell me stories growing up of how there is so much good in everyone. and. For example, my dad had a, a horse, which I, I, I didn't grow up with horses. I was allergic to them, not so much now, but I, before I was born, he had a horse and he was kind of well known in the community for, for that too. But he used to take the horse, um, or I think he used to take the delinquents to the stables or something, and he used to kind of just take them out of their comfort zone, take them out of the detention center. And he just really wanted to do some good. And he said he saw them just blossom, just out horse riding. And he said he saw them as just pure human beings. That's beautiful. It that is. That is so nice. It is, yeah. So that's another one of my dad's jobs. I've forgotten mm -hmm. what your original question was. No, it doesn't matter because we're gonna go into your high school now. Yeah. When you're starting to formulate what you wanna do when you get into uni. Yes, um, so I realized pretty early on that languages was my thing, that I would ace in languages. Um, I was a straight A student, but languages I would get the A stars in. And um, my, my dad especially always wanted me to work in Brussels or somewhere. And I was, I kind of resisted that dream, you know, it's, but I, I think I fulfilled it in other ways, you know, I met the expectations, but at the same time, I knew, I knew I wanted to be perhaps a doctor of languages or something like that. 
So, so where did it go? Where did you? Well, how, did, how was how was uni for you? You spent four years, or I, two? I did. So I um, I took my sixth form, the A levels, which is nice. like a two year thing in the UK, and then I tried to take on chemistry, and that was that was a little too much. I wanted to be like an international chemist or something using languages because I loved chemistry at GCSE. But okay. at A-level, it became so intense during all of this that I decided mm. to focus on languages. Um, and then that brought me to uni, and I, I kind of continued those subjects. I did um, French, German, and linguistics. And then me being me, it wasn't enough, so I took on a fourth major. And um, I'm actually one of the only people in the UK to graduate in four majors. Yes. In four years? Simultaneously, yes. Um, <laughs> So I, I kind of did that, and then so I was it, what was the fourth major? It was uh, art history. Art history. Yes, and okay. then to to kill kind of three four birds with one stone, I, I used to read the art history books, the, the French and German versions, so that I could keep my language skills up while applying it to a subject, and that's how I got through. Were you living at home while you were in uni? No, I moved out when I was eighteen. I was determined to be independent. Yeah. Now tell me, now what are the majors in? I mean, you have four degrees in what? French. Mm. German, linguistics, and history of art. My goodness, what what was your social life like? It was it was pretty good. Um, I was the president of an Oriental dance club actually at <laughs> university, and I I ended up stepping down because I really needed to focus on my academia. Mm -hmm. Yes, but the dance days were really fun. Okay, so after you finished with all of graduating with four degrees. Mm -hmm. Where did you start working? Or were you working prior to that? I was. I, I was working um, in the holiday periods, actually, mm -hmm. um, at a, a genetics company of all places. I worked in a genetics company, and because they needed the language skills, and okay. um, that was interesting because I had I was doing the modern languages, and my my coworker was also a Durham undergrad, and he was doing the um, the Latin languages, so mm -hmm. Greek Greek and Latin he was he was doing, so yes. kind of like the dead languages, and I had the modern languages, and somehow between us when we were doing our training we were not. Um, qualified scientists, but we had to do the, some kind of genetics training, and the language skills actually helped to decipher the the scientific terms. So we could sometimes actually figure it out between us. You know, um, it was it was quite magic, really. His name was Damien, a really good friend of mine. Um, He's still a good friend of yours. Yes, absolutely. Oh, yeah, and uh, we we worked part time together for a few years as undergrads, okay. and then I. I uh, went on to become a manager in that company, like a client uh, manager, which was not planned, but they, they kind of handed me the job when I graduated, so that okay. was amazing. And the recession happened, 2008. The yes. recession happened, the Lehman crash. The Lehman crash, That yes. changed everything. I was made redundant. I was like, oh my goodness, you know, what do I do? But that was actually the real birth of my, um, my careers to date, because I became an international journalist. Um, a local friend of mine who's a royalist, she's quite famous in the British media, Anita Atkinson, um, who I'd done my work experience with when I was uh, 14. That's where I started assistant editing and we're two of a kind, Anita and I. But she kind of took me under her wing as a, as a graduate, a fresh graduate, and said, why don't you try journalism? You've always been really good at writing. And I already had published poetry, again, coming from my dad, my dad also has that. We went on this kind of journalistic mission together, Anita and I, and I became a freelance journalist from 2009 onwards. Someone also handed me a camera at a festival, and I really took to photography. So I was on a new journey there, became an architectural 
photographer for the British government, kind of urban development planning. So that was like a six month contract. And then I was off on my American venture, my American dream. Well, now how long had you done that before you went off to your American dream? Mm -hmm. uh, about, I would say about 18 months. So mm -hmm. then you went off to America after that? I did, that? yes. I had a lot of contacts in America as did a Didn't they want you to stay away? Weren't you considered pretty valuable with all of your resources in and Europe, the knowledge certainly. you had? So, so how were you able to leave? It's the biggest irony of my life, yes. Also how I ended up in Japan is the biggest irony of my okay, life. you will explain it to me. Yes, actually it's, it's right in, during that phase. Uh, when I was doing the international um, journalism in the UK, I was just at a, a local, I think it was a European parliament, it was like a, a local festival in the UK, in, in Durham, sorry, Durham City. It was in the, I'm trying to remember, it was the town hall and I stumbled upon, it was Europe-based, European theme. There was um, a table of Japanese students from a Japanese college liaised with my university. And it was just something about the mysticism of it. I don't know what it was, but I was drawn to this table. They were drawn to me. They beckoned me to come over and they said, we want to teach you Shodo, Japanese calligraphy. So they started writing my name in Japanese and it was so stunning you know, that I just picked up a brush and they were like, hey, you're really good at that. Come on, let's learn Japanese. <laughs> okay. And, uh, you know, friendships were born. And from, from then on, I had this um, Japanese connection thing running in the background. But I was still going to move you're to America. But you're still doing your journalism. Yes, yeah. All right, so I'm, I still want to know how you were able to separate. There are people that are trusting you, believing you're yeah. going to bring the work in. Yeah. Now you're only, you said 18 months and you decided to leave, so you had to let them know prior to that. Uh, let who know? Let the people that you're working with. You're journalists, oh, though, yes, but yeah. they're expecting work from you. Oh, yes, yeah. So how did you get out of that? Well, freelance. Um, freelance. I, I was freelance. more or less my own boss okay. in that sense, yeah. So you didn't have anybody really depending on your work? No, I was I was literally... Um, if you brought in something they wanted, sometimes you'd bring yes. in stuff they didn't want. I was pitching. I was a young journalist. I was um, fresh in the industry, so okay. I, I was pitching my stories to newspapers. I understand. Here's so they wouldn't take it all the time. Yeah, here's sometimes. what I used to do, actually. I used to... Um, I used to call about 10 newspapers with a story that I'd written overnight. It was usually connected to some art history story, um, connected to the BBC. I had a lot of friends in the, the, the BBC at the time, and I still do. But um, yeah, I, I used to call about 10 newspapers, and one of them would get published. Okay. And I, I built up my portfolio that way. So it was really easy for you to leave. It was. It wasn't, it wasn't too committal. Okay. Yes, I'm yeah. thinking that you said the woman that took you under her wing. Mm. Wasn't she a journalist as well? Yes, yeah. So you weren't doing, I thought you were doing a lot of stuff with her, or you guys were doing this yeah. together? I had a column in her local paper. Right, I had a so column. she had a regular job. She did, yes. Right. And I so was kind of her assistant slash um, columnist, yeah. Okay, okay, but yeah. still she understood with the freelance nature of what you did, that oh, yes. it's hit or miss, she can't guarantee anything to you. That's right. Vice versa, I see yeah, what you're saying. Yeah, it's a key point actually. Okay. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned it right. because um, she was <laughs> sad to see me leave, of I course. I understand, but she said she can't help you to stay. <laughs> she knew I had wings right. and she always exactly. supported that. Yeah, okay. She was also a school governor, so she was always there in the background, kind of a woman of many talents, actually. I see. As yes. you are, <laughs> as you've become. I guess birds of a feather, they see, say. That's it. That's the thing. So you go, to the States, go, you go to the States knowing you're going to do what? Mm -hmm. uh, photography. I, I, I threw myself into a lot of um, photography workshops. Would um, you know before, tell me, you went there 
Not blindly, you already had something set up? I had friends and contacts there, yes, okay. I did, I did. So what were you supposed to be doing when you got there? What state uh, was it? I was in Florida, I was okay. in Florida. <coughs> Excuse me, I was also in Las Vegas for some conferences, yeah. I bet you were. Uh, <laughs> yes. no, I'm just kidding, that's a beautiful place. Yes, yeah. It is. Um, and uh, it was a short stint of about uh, six months actually, okay. short stint, and I was back, back to the UK again because there was this calling to go to Japan. I don't know what it was, but there was a strong calling to okay. go to Japan. Now you met the, these <coughs> Japanese students in the UK. Yeah. That taught you a little calligraphy. That's right. Okay. Then you left, went to the States yeah. for about a six month stint. Yeah. Now they were still in the UK? Uh, I think they had probably gone, gone back. back. They'd gone back because yeah, they were right. on a short stint too. That's right. And they okay. would send me pictures from, from Tokyo, Yokohama, and they were like, why don't you come and visit? See how you like it. We think you'd be a great. Now they're telling you this while you're in the states. Yeah, okay. so it was it was a calling, and I, I loved the states actually. I still love the states, but there was something about Japan that was calling me, something about the Orient, you know, the myst the mysticism. I don't know what it was. Spirituality too. Would you use this? Their, their kindness. Um, it would have been 2011 at that point. That's quite a ways away. Wait. Yeah. <coughs> From the Lehman shock, because the Lehman shock happened around 2008, 2009, mm -hmm. right? Yes. Something like that. I, um, I was working online as a French teacher making French videos, uh, French uh, language learning videos, and that was a key turning point. So I was back at my parents for a little bit, okay. and I, I started learning Japanese online. I really wanted to get this down. Now, when is this? I'm trying to put this in. Was this be between your free be becoming a freelance journalist? Yeah, so we're going now to about 2011. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, 2011, 2012, then I had a job in Germany, which was incredible. I worked at a, a banking academy, and this was through a friend of mine, a, a kind of uh, a Durham grad, and she was working for someone in Austria. That led to something in Germany, and I was working at a banking academy with people from all around the globe. And that really was an eye-opener for me, um, teaching English literature to all of these different people and just um, starting to realize the, the power of, of, of English language actually and, um, and how lucky we are as natives and how I should really utilize that. But ironic too because I have all of these other languages which I, I feel I'm kind of maybe more ap applying what I've worked so hard to become fluent in. Um, you know, English kind of, one could argue, could be like an easier route in a sense. Yes. But I still work very hard in, in that industry. Okay. Um, How long were you in Germany? I was only there for about three months okay, at that academy. Months. There were very intensive courses. So I but ran this is prior to the U.S.? Yeah, uh, this was uh, after the U.S. So okay, I'd come when back you came back, you <coughs> come back, okay. Yeah, it was like a springing board coming back to my parents' place and then off to Germany. And then the, the, the Japanese calling was still going on. Right. Yeah, and I, I finally moved in um, 2013. To Japan? Yeah. Where'd you go? I went to, well, in 2011 I went to Yokohama, made, made wait, a documentary. Wait. Okay, wait. I'm going back and forth. Uh, yeah, you are. But that's okay, that's mm -hmm. how life is. Mm -hmm. 2011, you're still in England, but you came here just for a short visit in 2011. Yeah, yeah. Right. it was the year, I remember this, the year that Kate and William got married. It was the April I was back. So they got married. I remember watching the royal wedding on TV with my parents, and it's it's always such a prominent occasion. So this is like kind of how my British mind works. It's the British course, timeline. It's how we kind of remember things. Right. Yeah. Six months after the earthquake, okay. it was October time. I wanted to be here okay. for the autumn, for the fall. 
and um, I was too early for the autumn because mm. I, I it doesn't come until later I found out but it was still very very hot right. and also I started experiencing tremors for the first time which in is your life a life changer My yeah goodness. the first one is very frightening and for then, you, it yeah, was. I was I was shaking for a leaf, even though my brain was saying it's fine, you're safe, you're safe, you're with your friends. I I was literally like on I edge. I can imagine. Yeah. Is there a pretty big aftershocks? All the you time. Re you remember them? Well, I was I'm born I was born in California and I was raised there, right, so we always right. had them. And I was the big earthquake we had in California in mm -hmm. 1970, I believe it was, mm -hmm. when the um, Veterans Hospital collapsed mm -hmm. and many of the freeways were damaged. And coming here it was just I've always they've never bothered me. They did as a little kid until I started to understand that there was nothing I could really do about it other than take care of myself. Yeah. And California was always falling into the ocean. Yes. You know, San Andreas Vault is supposed to crack completely. California's wow. supposed to slide into the ocean. So I grew yeah. up with that fear yeah. all my elementary years. You know, through elementary, because after that time I stopped being afraid because I asked my older brother, I think I was maybe in the fifth grade, mm -hmm. and it was supposed to happen that day, and I said, what would happen if, what would you do if California fell in the ocean? And he said, swim. I thought, yes, <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> said, Survival skills. And I thought, and from that point on I was never afraid anymore. Because I figured whatever happens, I'm going to have to have a reaction to it. Yes. So let me just do whatever I can do for yeah. whoever I can do it for while yeah. I'm there. Right. And not worry about it. Yeah. So I was here when we had the uh, March 11th earthquake. So you, so you came here during that time for a yes. short time, and yeah. then from there you went back to England, but now you have the bug. Circling back though, there is something I want to add there about sure. the earthquake. I did get a job offer before the earthquake. It was about a couple of months before the earthquake to start in March, and I, it was in the Fukushima area. And something came over me that said, no, you're not doing it. And I, I was thinking, so I said, why, wh where is this coming from? And I thought, no, it's my intuitions telling me something isn't right. <laughs> it's weird. It's weird. That's all I wanted to add there. Isn't that interesting? It is. It is. We have okay, so when you went back, we do, all of us do, mm. if we listen to it, mm. I think we're all in tune. Mm. If we learn to listen to it, because mm. we're just a source of energy. Yes, that's we're, right. We're, we're, I don't know. Some people really get attached to what we call our body or whatever, yeah. and some of us are attached to it, but still understand there's yeah. something else. We are a vibrational field. I, I Most do definitely. Yeah, I study this a lot now, is the light yes. and the sound, th these, these yes. two fundamental things, that's all we are, is that's light right. and sound. There you go. Mm -hmm. So yes, you yes. went to England, then you came mm. back. Came back, went on to Germany, <coughs> went back to England again for a very a number of weeks, and um, I was studying Japanese at the time online, and then I, I noticed that this company is a, one of the biggest um, online ones, um, Innovative Language Learning, uh, you've probably heard of it, Japanese Pod 101, that company. Um, they ended up recruiting me, believe it or not. Um, I saw an advertisement for a job. I was planning on applying to university work here or some kind of English teaching or, or even French teaching work, something, you know, the mainstream kind of languages here. And um, something happened. I don't know what happened, but I, I saw this job advertisement and I was like, that is me. It was a product management position in the company. They said, we're, you're studying with us, but we're also recruiting. Would you like to apply? So I applied. I stayed up all night. I knew this was a very important application. It was a job I wanted. And I, I got the job. 
and um, it was it was a kind of detour to what I'm doing now, which I, I work in a university, a prestigious university here now, but. Yeah, first I, I needed to do my broadcasting. That's what the, the divine had planned for me. Okay. Yeah. And you did? I did, yeah. Okay. Yes. So how long did you work with Pod 101? I was there for 18 months. 18 um, months. Working very intensively as a manager and then in front of the camera too, I was doing... They brought you here to Japan? They did. Mm, okay. They did, yes. I was already booked to come here uh, as a tourist. Um, so they, they they recommended that I just come here and sort it out later. They said, we'll, send, we'll maybe send you to Korea if you need to ch change your visa. They right. do that, right? Mm -hmm. um, they didn't need to send me to Korea as it happens, but mm -hmm. we got all of that sorted out. Yeah, oh, so I good. kind of started, started so working. So how long have you been in Japan now? So yeah, like I've been, I've had my base here since that time. I've been in and out of the country That's too. My true base is the UK actually, but yeah, I'm not a permanent resident here or anything. So when did you come here, 2011? Uh, yeah, visiting and then 2013, the second time as a tourist. Okay. And I just ended up kind of staying here for the majority of the time. So you've been here 10 years now? Yeah, yeah coming up to that, yeah. 10 years, okay. And, um, but yeah, like I said, not a straightforward journey. I was in and out of the country. I was back in America as well. You were back in America doing what? Okay, so I, I did the broadcasting job for about 18 months. Um, went, I did the Dutch holiday show and a lot of script supervision. Um, was working behind the camera in the studio and then also ended up uh, as a kind of script supervisor and then ended up back in front of the camera as well, which is kind of where I'm also quite comfortable these days. Um, and that, that show went on to date to have about 2 billion views online. What's the name of the show? It's Dutch Holidays and a variety of other shows about, they have over 40 languages now, okay. the company, um, and I'm kind of the face the face of a lot of that. And you're still doing this? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a perpetuating it's thing. It's, they, they, still, they still have have me presenting. We did so much recording that they have enough material to kind of keep going for eternity, I think. Mm -hmm. um, so that that's still, that's and counting, you know, two billion and counting. Um, yeah, I, I, I believe I'm, I, I don't often tell people this, but I believe I'm the most watched multilingual face online, whatever okay. that means. It's okay. all relative, but it's, okay. it's kind of, it's kind of wild, right? Oh, that is wonderful. <laughs> okay, so that's where you are now. Yeah. So okay. that's kind of it's its own kind of um, what's the word? It just perpetuates perpetual that uh, yeah, perpetual. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yes, I went to the UN, and this is a funny story. I was I was teaching as a freelance teacher here in the corporate industry. You know, kind mm -hmm. of hopping from company to company. Um, what's it called? Just an on location teacher, like a business okay. business teacher, mm -hmm. similar to what I was doing at the academy in Germany, the banking thing, um, hopping around different banks. I, you know, as anyone who's worked in that industry before, you meet some very interesting people, movers and shakers and such. Um, and there was one particularly lovely client who was very, very humble. He was also a northerner. He's from Almori Prefecture. And I was teaching him. He was some kind of government worker. That's all I knew. He was very, very humble about his position. Now you're teaching him English. Yeah. Yes, so we, okay. we, they wanted me to cover some a little bit different, some topics, the media and the news. And I wasn't quite sure why. But then he said, actually, I'm going to the UN. I'm, I'm going to do a three-year placement at the UN headquarters in New York. So I'm like, okay, this is, this is quite a big deal. As what? He said, um, 
what was it he said? It was like he, he gave it a general title, a very general title, mm. you know, a little vague. Um, he was like, it's a, some kind of secretary position. I was like, okay, that's interesting. He said, in fact, he was like, um, my wife's pregnant with our first child. It, the child will be born in the States. He was like, why don't you come and visit us when the child's born? We would love to have you. So I end up on this plane. Um, it's a crazy story. I end up on this plane to New York. I get diverted and that's a whole nother story, but I, I got there in the end and um, my plane was delayed. Um, I had to get another, f the connection didn't work out. And the, the um, he was an ambassador, I didn't realize, but he was an ambassador. He was actually the second secretary for Japan. I see. And he, he was so, he was just so humble, I think, that he, he, he almost was a little shy to tell me of, of his position. And uh, I got the invitation letter, actually, uh, just a few days before. I had a little visa, visa complication, actually, and I, but I, I managed to get in. It was only because he sent that letter, he had to invite me officially. So he picked me up in the taxi and because the flight had been delayed, it actually worked out perfectly because I saw the New York skyline just kind of just on the, the bump of the hill. Just I could just see it in front of me <clears throat> and it was magical. You know, we Brits, we dream of this stuff. It's like the stuff of movies, <laughs> you know. Because when you're living in gray skies all the time, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, you get to see yeah, this is very English. The weather we have today. Yes, it is. It is. It is. <laughs> Gabriella, because of time, mm -hmm. I'm going to end you here, and okay. we are going to come back again for sure. Okay. There's no doubt about it. But before I end, I always have a yeah. question I'd like to ask my uh -huh. guests. If you could magically, magically go back in time mm -hmm. and meet the younger Gabriella mm -hmm. and give her advice, yeah. how old would you be, and mm. what advice would you give her? Oh, that's a great question. <clears throat> Maybe back to my five-year-old self. I would say the beginning of my school years, and I would probably say the cosmos is inside of you, and it's a big deal, and um, you can tap into that anytime you want, and you can manifest whatever you want. Because I didn't know that at the time, but I know that now, so. That is so beautiful. Thank <laughs> you so much, Gabrielle. Thank you, Lance. Pleasure. You. I want to thank all of you for watching this podcast. Make sure you press like and subscribe. And never forget, it's all unknown, so continue to reach for the stars. Because you're too blessed to be stressed. Mm -hmm.